0: Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and we are coming off a wild card weekend victory for the Kansas City Chiefs over the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's not delay, let's get to the good stuff and introduce the guys. He always thought an NFL championship was more like a premium IPA.
1: Sam is with us. Sam Blake, how are you doing, man? You know, as much as I agree with the, the beer comment, the biggest problem of Andy Reid's comment is pie is the f- far superior dessert to cake. So if he would have said the Super Bowl is like another piece of pie, I would have been like, you, my friend, are a true fat man like myself. (laughs) Uh, He's going to
0: make his son wait 50 years before giving him chocolate cake just to make sure he understands what Chiefs fans have been through. Jacob Allen is with us. What's going on, dude?
2: Who am I, the teacher from Matilda?
0: (laughs) No, Matilda's teacher made her made the guy eat a whole chocolate cake. That's just abusive. You're going to deprive your son
1: of cake.
2: Look at us out here just ruining childhood classic movies.
1: That was a uh, that was the Raider strategy. Oh, <laughs> like feeding all the chocolate cake and then we'll see what happens now. <sighs> Nothing.
0: Just eat, baby. shim and Al Davis is saying, and I am Sean Deegan, and I will never taste a championship because I. I'm a type 1 diabetic. Let's get to this weekend because it was a wild one. and Maybe not in the way you might typically think. A lot, of, a lot of weird, not weird games, a lot of not close games in this one. Six games happened. We're moving on here. But out of the games that we got that happened this weekend, whether it was something you watched or whether it was a box score that grabbed your eye, what outcome this past weekend most surprised you from the wild card round of the NFL playoffs? Um, Sam, we'll start with you here.
1: I mean, I think the only one that you can really look at and be truly surprised about um, is the, the Patriots. Just the, what had happened earlier in the season with the, between those two teams and the way the Patriots have been playing and just to just lay an absolute egg is, is just very unbuilt Belichick-esque, uh, especially in the playoffs. And, again, I, granted, they do have a rookie quarterback, but just seeing that big of a differential in the scores was was surprising to me. And, again, didn't watch the game just going off. I, so I don't know exactly how it occurred, but just seeing this, the stat lines is was surprising to me, to say the least. Jay, what
0: about you? What what outcome, what final score took you by surprise from this wild card weekend?
2: None of the winners surprised me. I would say more so it was just two of the games ended up being kind of tight, which was the, the Raiders and then the Niners Cowboys. All the games that all the teams that won were my picks, but as far as the scores go, those two being tight surprised me a little bit. I mean, more so the Raiders.
0: I'll be honest, the Cowboys Niners game surprised me more I guess than than most people I 49ers are a good team like they've got a solid team but Cowboys just have some dudes man like on defense like Trayvon Diggs has been a, a great ball hawk there's been a lot of discussion about whether or not he's a good cover corner given how many yards he's actually given up when targeted but, like, Micah Parsons is an animal. Um, they've got some guys on that defensive line that are really good. And then on the offensive side of the ball, they're loaded with weapons. And with a healthy Dak, I, I honestly thought that the 49ers might end up not putting up such a huge fight for the Cowboys since the Cowboys had everybody uh, back on back, back healthy. So, to see them play a close game and, and then be on the wrong side of it, especially how that game ended, like, that that outcome – definitely surprised me looking ahead a little bit to next season for a lot of these other teams specifically the ones that did not move on which losing team do you think has the chance to make the biggest jump for next season so for instance using the eagles for an example you know you pick a lousy draw with the greatest of all time in tom brady and the buccaneers with a team that has basically no playoff experience, essentially a rookie quarterback, a bunch of younger, two rookie receivers. You've got a, a team that is, has not been there before at key positions, uh, offensively and defensively. Um, so which team out of the teams that lost last year, lost this past weekend, do you think has a chance to make a biggest leap forward? Jacob will come to you first this time.
2: That is a good one. Uh, if I would have read the rundown, I would have known that was going to be a question, but I am thinking on the fly. I actually don't think there is any team that is going to get much better than they are. I think they've, uh, most of those uh, teams that lost have hit their, their ceiling. Cause I think I like Jalen Hurts. I thought he was an NFL QB, but he's very limited. But again, teams end up getting a lot of similar guys than they have in the past. Now, he is Donovan McNabb light. Donovan McNabb is an all-time great. So I'm just saying he's kind of similar to that in the sense of a good passer is going to be respectable. But, but my answer is going to be the Steelers because I think they're making a move this offseason for a quarterback, or you would hope so since theirs is retiring. You, you would hope they're not going to stick with Mason Rudolph. But I guess in the sense of, you know, they could be one of the teams that could go against Russell Wilson and make a big difference for their squad. And they have some talent on that roster. So we'll, we'll see. But they're the ones I think have the biggest chance to make a change. Everyone else, I kind of feel like is, is bumping their heads on the ceiling at this point.
0: And what about you? Which, which of the teams that did not move on this past weekend, do you think has a chance to take that next leap forward this coming season?
1: My initial reaction was, was to go with the Cowboys just because that roster is so good. But I just feel like the Cowboys are the chargers of the NFC where they just can't get anything. Like, they could be so good and then fail miserably when it, hap- when it matters the most. Hey, uh, the, uh,
2: the Cowboys made the playoffs.
1: <laughs> hey, I mean, if the Chargers coach wasn't dumb and decided to call a timeout, The Chargers would have made the playoffs.
2: (laughs) Uh, Counterpoint, Cowboys also have a very dumb coach. I have a
0: follow-up to that after Sam's done. Sam, go ahead.
1: I think all of the teams within that have similar issues where they're just that one or two piece um, piece away from being able to progress to the next level. I'm going to go – I think I'm going to go with the Patriots and the reason I'm going to say the Patriots is number one, they still have Bill Belichick. Again, I will stand fast in saying he's the greatest head coach of all time. And Mac Jones, where yes, Mac Jones doesn't have the maybe the the skill sets of a Justin Herbert or uh, or some of the the younger quarterbacks that that can't have come out the past couple of years. They're so the pieces they're missing are much easier to get than a quarterback. I'll say that where. When you're looking at the Steelers, when you're looking at um, the Raiders, the Eagles, potentially where quarterback is still kind of the question in those teams with the Patriots, Mac Jones, you know what you're going to get. And now all you have to do is put stuff around him. So we're basically saying that the Patriots, are now the Chiefs of the early 2000s, let's put, see what we can get around them and see how far we can go. But uh, no, I, I think the Patriots have a. Easy the easiest path to become very good again just because of who the right coach is. I
0: am gonna say I've gone back and forth a lot here. Uh, between because I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to pick the Cardinals or if I want to pick the Eagles. And I will say the Eagles, I just think that they they got to the playoffs a year, maybe two earlier than I thought they would. And I think getting that experience of, oh, this feels different. Um, Andy Reid's talked about it before a uh, couple of years, last couple of years, about how everything gets faster. Talking so about, like, you know, in the preseason, it's fat, it's, it's kind of like a – it's fast, but it's not crazy. Uh, college guys are the ones that maybe notice it the most when they're, like, coming into their first preseason. They notice that speed the most. Regular season, it goes up another pace. Um, playoffs, it's, it's so much faster. Everything feels faster. Everything is, is heightened And the Super Bowl feels bananas. And I feel like the Eagles getting that taste of the playoffs early, especially against a team like the Buccaneers who have weapons everywhere. You have the greatest quarterback to ever play this game under center for for the Buccaneers. You get to see what that looks like, what that feels like, that pressure. I think that's going to serve the Eagles in a big, big way because I do think that I think Jalen Hurts has a chance to be a a very good quarterback. I don't know what his ceiling will be, but he's got all the physical tools to be good. He's got some young, very talented receivers with Watkins. And then obviously Devontae Smith. Um, I think Dallas Goddard is a wildly underrated tight end. And then if any running back on that team can stay healthy, you've got some legitimate pieces to to run. Um, Jacob's. To Jacob's point, I did want to come back to this, just real quick sidebar. Uh Jacob said the Cowboys have a really dumb coach. I was thinking about this today and I, I wanted to know your guys' opinion. Is Mike McCarthy just Kyle Shanahan with a Super Bowl win? Because Mike McCarthy got there with a great quarterback, won it, and then he's just been a boob. Kyle Shanahan got there once, didn't win it, and it is basically not done anything outside of that one year. Well,
2: well Kyle Shanahan, you know, has some other things on his resume. He was blew a Super Bowl with the Falcons as well. So let's give him that credit. But also, no, I, I don't think so. I, I do think Mike McCarthy lucked out in the situation he was in and then the Packers stuck with him for way too long. I tried to tell my Packers fans, friends, that he was just a knucklehead and didn't know how to put together an offense or have an offensive coordinator that could make them better than they were because he literally refused to run the ball ever which we as Chiefs fans understand now that you've kind of got to do it, but it's not the end of the world. But, yeah, I, I don't think I'd put those two guys in the same, the same echelon. But Cliff Kingsbury will be with Mike McCarthy in that very soon, which is why I couldn't choose the Cardinals because man is riding the coattails of Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, no, I, I can't say he's Shanahan and McCarthy are similar. If anything – Shanahan is closer to Andy Reid early years than he is to Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and that sustained him in the NFL to where Dallas was like, oh, he's got a Super Bowl? We've wanted one of those for a long time. And, yeah, they that's the whole reason how they hired him. I mean, Kyle Shanahan is is a bad couple quarters away from being Super Bowl champion twice over once as a head coach once as an offensive coordinator and I think that says a lot more than I lucked into one of the best quarterbacks that we've ever seen play the game
0: I kind of am with you guys on that front but I did think it was an interesting thought anyway also is Kellen Moore really as great as he is if he's calling quarterback draws as an offensive coordinator I don't these are off-season questions that we'll get into when we don't have anything else to talk about with the Chiefs. But I just wanted your guys' opinion on that. Uh, I'd like last, to
2: also point out, real quick, too, Sean. For the people playing bingo, uh, I did contradict myself already with, you know, saying Mike McCarthy was an idiot because his offense wouldn't run. But Kyle Shanahan wasn't the same when he didn't run the ball in the Super Bowl.
0: Last question here before we get to the Chiefs Steelers before uh, the around the league. I mentioned at the top that it wasn't a weird game in terms of like weird games played, but there weren't many competitive games. Four out of the six games this weekend, you could you know, qualify as a blowout. Uh, I don't think looking at it one more time here, you know, like four out of the six games, almost all of them doubled the score. Bills blew out the Patriots by more than double. 47 to 17, Steelers double up on the Steelers 42-21 in a game that is not even that close. Buccaneers about or they double up the Eagles 50, 31 to 15. Rams smoke the Cardinals 34-11. Your close games are the 49ers and Cowboys and then the Bengals and the Raiders, which makes me more mad that Chiefs lost to the Bengals seeing that game. But What do you make of the lack of competitive games this past weekend? What do you make of all the blowouts from this past week? Um, Sam, we'll start with you.
1: It's not – with how crazy this year has been, it's not very surprising to me. It's been so hard to get a read on teams throughout the regular season to know how good anyone is in reality. And I think our suspicions – well, most people's predictions and, and kind of suspicions on who was good and who wasn't kind of came true. I think out of out of all these teams, I think the Cowboys are probably the one that is the biggest head scratcher when you look at it. And it's like JJ agrees with me. They look at him, he's like, "Yeah, the Cowboys suck." <laughs> um, no, that that's the only one where I think going into the off or going into the playoffs, I think everyone thought the Cowboys would be better than they are, which is. What's the uh definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, us being a Cowboys fan, I think, right now. Um, but no, it, it the I think the the better teams did win this this week, obviously. And I think they're teams that we expect it to be better at the beginning of the year. And it just it it's just been such an odd year that it's been hard to get gauges on anybody. Um, so that it it's didn't surprise me that there were some wonky games in there like the, the Raiders and Bengals. Um, but I, I do still think that the teams that were expected to win ended up winning, driving home the point of there is parody in the league sometimes, but a lot, most of the time, the, the cream typically rises to the top.
0: Jay, hey, what about you? Was there anything that you took away from a weekend full of blowouts versus competitive games?
2: Uh, First off, if, if you, didn't, if you don't learn anything about the Chiefs today, you can at least learn that the Sam about the quote Sam gave about insanity, he didn't say it was by Einstein. But it's not by Einstein, and people often say it is. So if we don't say anything else today in Lightning, at least know that that quote is not Einstein, so don't ever use it again in your life. So 20 people in the world now know. I think it just shows what a lot of people already knew up front. There's only a couple real contenders in this offseason. The NFL didn't need that seven seed, even though they've said – oh, you know, if you get in the playoff, you've got a shot. If you get in the tournament, it's just not true. There's only a couple teams that really could end it or get to the end, I should say. But we all know the reasoning for it was for money. I mean, just look how they've scheduled the games over the weekend was between the three days so that you can sell more commercials that way and have people over multiple days. I was a little surprised just because it has been such a weird year.
0: That I thought maybe a team a Cardinals Rams game, not that the Rams won, but that I thought that would be a more competitive game. Watching the Bills eviscerate the Patriots definitely shocks me just because Patriots have, I think it's like what the second best scoring league defense in the NFL. It's just some weird stuff like that. Uh, you know, the Buccaneers, Eagles didn't surprise me, Chiefs Steelers didn't surprise me, but there are a couple big ones in there that just like, how did, how did this get away from you? And part of that might just be me not being a, a dedicated fan, watching them week in and week out. But I definitely thought just because it was a weird year, that there might be more parity even at this point during the wildcard weekend. All right, we've delayed enough. Let's get to the Kansas City Chiefs as they just smoked the Pittsburgh Steelers 42-21, to and I will posit to the panel here that this game wasn't even that close. It was an absolute bloodbath. Once the Chiefs got going, we'll get into that here in a little bit, uh, because through first quarter and most of the second, it looked like the Chiefs from the first seven games of the year the player, though, I want to start with is, is a, maybe an unexpected person who, for, for a lot of fans, an unexpected hero. Uh, Sam, on the other hand, though, has, has been on this train for a little bit. So he's talked about one and only Jarek McKinnon, who had a monster day. Uh, Jarek McKinnon uh, pulling up the box score here because I had it up and then I went away from it. Jarrett McKinnon had 12 carries, which was more than the rest of the running backs on the team or anybody who got a rushing attempt uh, combined, uh, for 61 yards, had six targets, six catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. We've talked a few times on the podcast about what running back do you think needs to get the majority of the touches, specifically when we're talking about Darrell Williams, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and Derek Gore. Did we finally see, now that Jarek McKinnon is healthy, maybe the type of running back this offense needs in order for the running game and a running back to be successful? Sam, we'll come to you here first on this one. I'll hold my thoughts here for a moment, but what do you think? Do you think a Jarek McKinnon type is the type of running back that's going to have the most success in this offense?
1: Yes, because this is exactly what they drafted Clyde Edwards to to be. So it, that's, that's all I thought about this game because people that – if for the people that have not – that came into the NFL recently with, obviously, Chiefs fans specifically with Patrick Mahomes and don't know who Jarek McKinnon is, when he was with the Minnesota Vikings because he came in and replaced Adrian Peterson, arguably the greatest running back we've ever seen, and I didn't think Derrick Henry is making a very good push for that, obviously, but AP there for a while was just incredible. And he got, was that the suspension year or was that the ACL?
0: I think it was it the ACL year.
1: ACL year. That, that Jared came in. And like McKinnon's stats, you go and look at stats. They're not crazy. Like it was, uh, he played 11 games. 113 rushes and 538 yards. That's not crazy, but I think what everyone saw was this guy's got something. He He's not your normal running back. He's more of the LaShawn McCoy type where it is just hard to tackle, almost not necessarily fully Jamal Charles-esque, but kind of that just can break any tackle, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world. Um, and so that's why I was so excited to bring him in because – he hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been healthy for since he was in Minnesota, since he left Minnesota. And just the thought of what his shiftiness and, and what he could bring to the offense excited me so much. And it's been a disappointment because we haven't got to see him. He, he, we've seen little bursts here and there. And then last week we saw a little bit, and this week was just a, a display of what he can be. Um, and, again, it, it really is the – this is what Clyde edwards was – they wanted him to be. Or they expect him to be. I still I still think they expect him to be, which is that small, smaller shifty running back, obviously different body frames. So they're gonna run a little bit different. But then the the catching out of the backfield and being able to spread out wide ability is what I think they wanted Clyde Edwards to layer. That's like Jacob always said, that was what he was touted as coming into the draft. So yeah, this is this is perfect because it does add another level of, okay, what are they going to do? If, if Jarek McKinnon is running as effectively it was in this game, it, it's terrifying because it's not necessarily power running, but it allows your running or your lineman to just bull those people and then let Jarek McKinnon pick, pick gaps. And that's, what's super effective in this game. So yeah, I, if he can continue what he did in this game, as far as contributing to the offense and drawing, pressure away from Tyreek and and all the other players it just adds that another layer which I think we've been looking for in a a dual threat running back um which again Clyde was hopefully going to be but hasn't been able to stay on the field
0: Jacob, what about you uh McKinnon is this even if it's not Jarek McKinnon is this the kind of running back that the Chiefs need to be looking for going forward
2: Sam's right I think mckinnon is what they hoped ceh would be in this game and hopefully it can be sustained we know mckinnon's had some success at other stops in his career and we hope that it can be consistent and really that he can be the damian williams of this playoff run because that would be the most ideal thing in total i know we've talked about him a couple weeks and it just makes you more and more be like don't ever draft a running back don't draft a running back because you're gonna, you can find him everywhere. Apparently, we should have known. I should have known. I think I was one that was championing for it. So, but do also keep in mind that Darwin Thompson is back on the roster. So the the, the termite is that his nickname. Termite is back. I think
0: what I hope the Chiefs learn from this with Jared McKinnon is that when I talk when when I ask the question type of running back. It's not just a running back who has the ability to catch and run. There is an explosivity to the way Jarrett McKinnon runs that I don't think Clyde Edwards-Alaire or Daryl Williams or even Derek Gore has. Derek Gore, I think, is the most explosive running back out of those three. And it's still, it's not like it jumps off the page at you. When Jarrett McKinnon would get the ball in space, specifically on screen passes, and there were a lot of those in this game that were just absolutely beautiful he would get to the second level and you're just like, Oh, that's different. Like he got there quick. Uh, the elusivity of him, even going back to last week, last couple of weeks where, you know, his play at the, the goal line where he eludes two defenders and then just lowers the shoulder to get into the end zone. There is something different about his speed, his burst. So while skill sets might be comparable you know in terms of Clyde lair being able to catch being able to run uh, in the, you know, play out of the slot play out wide i just I, I think there is an element of athleticism missing you know damian williams you know we we talked about him a lot like he he runs the kind of scheme that andy reed wants to run very well you know you run that zone read and where everything is stretched and everything is is to the, the perimeter That was Damian Williams' game, and he had the speed and burst to make it work. He also was a very good receiver. He wasn't an elite running back, but he kind of marked all the boxes. I wonder if that's what the Chiefs are missing. They look at Clyde and they go, oh, he does a great job of catching the ball out of the backfield, and he's really good running between the tackles. And they go look and draft that player thinking he has the skill sets needed, but he doesn't have the athleticism. He doesn't have that burst. I hope that that's what they take from this is that it's not just the skill set. It's the speed. It's the quickness. It's the the elusivity of it all that Jared McKinnon brings.
1: I do want to pause that statement, Sean, and that I'm worried that when you talk about the the explosivity, what we're talking about is athleticism, and I think what they the reason I don't like necessarily drafting athleticism is that's when you end up with McCole Hardman and not DJ DK Metcalf. So where I think that Jarek McKinnon is a great example of like, okay, this is what that can be. There's so much more that goes into it. Like I think what Jarek has that is far superior to what we've seen in Clyde so far. So far, again, Clyde's a young player, and I think he can improve a lot. But definitely uh, in either of the Williams we've had on the team is the the vision. Because I think that's where his explosiveness is put on display is when he can make the cut into those open holes that our linemen are creating – we, that's what we don't see out of Clyde earlier, because I would disagree and say, I think Clyde is just as explosive as he is. Maybe not in the same way in that. I think Jerick is a little more shifty where Clyde is a bit more bowling ball-esque. He, he goes and he goes fast, but I don't think he's got that elite vision yet. And that's where you talk about when you, when you talked about the, uh, go back to your point about the Eagles in that they've made the playoffs a couple of years too early. That it just keeps speeding up, the game will slowly slow down for Clyde, and I think that's what we have to be hopeful that he can take the skill set he has because we all we've seen him put it on display, and when it's working, it's it's very impressive. But I think what Jerick McKinnon has is the experience within the NFL, though he's been injured and he's got he's just got better vision at that point, and that's where I think what I hope to see them Clyde improve on, and if he does, I think you could see. Uh, a similar version of what we saw in that game coming from Clyde on a regular basis.
0: Yeah, and, that is, and and to your point, it is still an early career with Clyde where reps have been taken away from him because of injury. So there's obviously still time. Um, I do think Jacob's point though, about never draft a running back again is a good one.
1: Just Oh, unless it's Derek Henry again. Yeah, no, you don't ever draft a running back.
0: Just don't do it. Don't do it. And even then, Derrick Henry won the first-round pick. Just for everybody out there who thinks Josh Jacobs is the next greatest thing at running back, just Derrick Henry was in the second round. Now, Derrick McKinnon wasn't the only player to have a tremendous day on offense or an effective day on offense. The receiving game, we talked a little bit about this last week. They came to play. Patrick Mahomes, once things kind of righted, and the ship was steady and level, really could throw to anybody he wanted and find a way to be effective. In this game, you had six different receivers with four or more catches and five different receivers with a touchdown, including Nick freaking Allegretti, who had one of the greatest plays I've ever seen, just mauling T.J. Watt, throwing him to the ground like a rag doll and turning around and making a catch. Which I don't know if that's legal, but I loved it. I don't even care. It was awesome. But the receiving game really came to play. We talked a little about this last week with McColl and Byron Pringle specifically having starting to see some more results as as things have gone on in the stat sheet. Not just you know to the eye test. We're actually getting some numbers to back it up. And this week it seemed like all the numbers were there for everybody in this game. So. The next question is, what's the reasoning behind it? Is this Andy Reid opening things up? There's been tremendous speculation and conjecture about how much has Andy Reid shown? Did he, you know, intentionally sandbag some offensive play calls and schemes for the playoffs? Uh, You know, maybe it's, it's getting different guys open. Is this, like we talked about last week, McCole Hardman and Byron Pringle hitting their stride at the right time, finally kind of getting comfortable in this offense this year in their enhanced roles. Sam, I think you brought up the point about how like we, they are the same faces, but they're not used to these roles necessarily where they're counted on. They are more complementary before Sammy Watkins left this year. They're expected to be the go-to guys. Maybe they're starting to step up, Or is this just Patrick Mahomes having a monster day where literally no one could defend him when he decided it was time? What is the reasoning to you guys? And maybe there's more than one, but what do you think is the cause of the diversity of success with the receiving core in this one? Um, Jacob, we will start with you this time.
2: I would like to say that it's Mahomes being able to see the entire field, but then that wouldn't hold for the rest of the season because, because it hasn't been quite as the same in the season when they were, you know, targeting Travis Kelsey and Terry kill at their record setting levels. But when Terry kill and Travis Kelsey went down, Patrick had no problem distributing the ball to everyone. And I do think there was some design this week, which, you know, at times can bite you when you decide McCole Hardman should line up at quarterback and try to read option the ball. So that can also happen to you, but I, I do think it's almost, you know, circumstance and opening. I think, I think opening up the playbook is the best description of it because it makes the other teams have to plan for more. Pringle has very clearly established himself as wide receiver. We'll call him wide receiver too, the guy they go to consistently up the field. And Nicole Hardman is – getting used more and more like what the Chiefs view him as, which is the gadget guy, which is, you know, honestly, best for the team.
0: Sam, what about you? What do you think is the reasoning behind the success that the receiving core had in this game? Is it guys hitting a stride? Is it just the opponent? Is it Andy Reid opening things up? What do you think was the reason that so many guys got involved and had definitive success against the Steelers this past weekend?
1: I think there's validity to all of those statements where you could point to any of them and be like, this is it. I, I think this is an example of what the chief's offense is when it's running smoothly, when it's clicking, it just, everything's so easy. And that that's what, like we talked about at the very beginning of the season where I kept saying, you know, things just look hard. Like we're we're scoring, we're putting up points. You watch this game. And it's just like, well, that's what I remember the Chiefs' offense being. So I, I think it's just that there are certain games where, again, <laughs> it's hard to say because I don't think the Steelers gave up necessarily, but when an offense did in that short amount of time, it, it is very demoralizing. And I think it just kind of – everything just kind of starts stacking on itself. Um, so I, I, I think the, the playbook definitely has you, – you saw different plays coming out this week than we've seen. Um, you saw more of the, the gadgety trick plays, the kind of gimmicky stuff that one kind of bit us in the butt. The other ones work very effectively, obviously. Um, and it just – everyone's kind of hitting a good stride. And, and I've, I've said it the past two weeks, and maybe it's me putting a tinfoil hat on and just believing my own conspiracy theory. But in your guys' opinion, I always say what's your opinion – do you think Patrick Mahomes looks more comfortable with Andrew Wiley because he is having to roll out? I think it looks more effect. It, it When I watch him do what he's having to do with Andrew Wiley, because Andrew Wiley, again, that was a great performance against T.J. Watt. You cannot hold anything against Andrew Wiley, who's our third string tackle against one of the up-and-coming stars in the NFL, if not currently one of the best pass rushers in the game. Um, but – when Mahomes was stepping up a lot more and moving to his right, the plays seemed to work better almost as if they had like when they last year and the year before it was like the one where he threw the, the bomb to Tyreek um, or no, it was the bomb to Ke- Kelsey down the sideline right at the end of the, at the half. As soon as he came out, I was like, well, he's going to hit someone deep right now. Like that was just my mind. I was like, it's going to work because I've seen this play a hundred times by now. Roll to the right. Someone's down the sideline. and exactly what happened
0: so my father michael deegan who is an avid and wonderful supporter of this podcast we were talking about the game this past weekend we were celebrating my sister's birthday which is the 19th here uh, tomorrow actually so by the time we're recording this tuesday january 18th anna's birthday will have been over by the time this podcast drops but happy birthday anna we were talking about Uh, Patrick Mahomes and how everything he's had to adjust to. And my dad brought up to your point, Sam, about one of the things he's had to figure out is how to stay still and still throw the ball. And he used the comp, the comp, the comparison of, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie, uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance kid, Paul Redford, Robert, or excuse me, Robert Redford, Paul Newman movie. And there's a scene in this movie. My dad brought, brought to my attention. He actually tweeted it at me uh, during the game where both uh casting the Sundance kid are being basically interviewed to like provide protection for this banker. And and he's asking Sundance, like, show me how you shoot. And Sundance like holsters his gun, like he's going to do a quick draw. And the guy's like, No, 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 just pull out and shoot. And the guy throws a rock out there, it lands, and he's just like, just shoot that rock. And Sundance tries to shoot it standing still and he can't hit. It. He misses it. And the guy's like, Oh, that's too bad. And he starts to walk away. And Sundance says, Can I move? And the guy's like, what? And Sundance pulls a quick draw, drops to a knee, shoots the rocket, explodes in two, and then shoots the bigger half and it explodes again. And he just stands up and he goes, I do better when I move. And that's Patrick Mahomes. Like, I uh, so just,
2: to, just to clarify, I think you got the movie all wrong. I think, I think you're thinking of, of Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. That's where Robert Redford is running a gambling circuit and they pull a big trick on people.
0: No, they're they're two outlaws. No, this is definitely this is definitely the same movie.
2: Oh, I just want to make sure we are ruining every movie and getting the plot wrong.
0: <laughs> no, Butch, I think the I think the one you're thinking of is is a completely no. I know the one you're thinking of is a different movie. I don't know what movie that is. Butch casting the Sundance Kid are two bank robbers. I don't think they had a scheme. But in this one, like Sundance, like he he doesn't do well standing still. And I do think we saw Patrick Mahomes have to learn how to stay in the pocket this year. And to your point, Sam, though, when he gets the chance to roll out to his right and find receivers down downfield, that's when he looks his best. He does better when he moves. I I think your point is a really, really good one. um, When you see how Mahomes steps up and is then able to spread the ball to all these different receivers in different positions when it's kind of backyard football. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes, we on this podcast try to do a very diverse view of, of the team and its performance just because, as we've said a hundred times this podcast, it seems like every show out there at the national level, even some local level, they just focus on the quarterback. And I get it because it's the most important position on the field, but we like to talk about more than just the quarterback. However, Patrick Mahomes – Even amongst Chiefs fans, I don't know is getting enough credit for this historic performance. Here are some stats that got pulled from this game. Patrick Mahomes has, this is according to Jeff Kerr of CBS, he's one of their their writers there, CBS Sports, 105.1 passer rating in the playoffs. That is the best in NFL history. Josh Allen, for the record, who they're going to see this coming weekend, is fourth on that list, in case anybody's curious. Patrick Mahomes has four games with 400 yards and five touchdown passes, if you include the playoffs, in his career. That is the most of all time in the NFL. Peyton Manning, Dan Marino, and Joe Montana are all tied for second on the list with three apiece in their entire careers. He has 22 postseason touchdown passes, which puts him 17th all-time already in his career, which is four years long. He will pass, and I know this guy's going to love it, Troy Aikman after this next game if he just gets two. Troy Aikman is currently 16th on that list with 23 touchdown passes. And then to cap it all off, this past weekend, Patrick Mahomes threw five touchdown passes in 10 minutes and 31 seconds. I'm going to say it again because I need people to understand. He threw five touchdown passes In 10 freaking minutes and 31 seconds, it's a little more than a, it's a touchdown every two minutes and change. How do we not normalize greatness? Because the conversation around Patrick Mahomes this entire year was what's wrong with him? He still had 4,800 passing yards, 37 touchdowns. We talked about it last week. What did we learn about this season was a question on that rundown. This week, I want to know, How do we as fans, how do we as football fans, as Chiefs fans, not normalize greatness? Because the other guy that's having a great, that had a great game, Travis Kelsey, had 100 yards receiving, is one 100-yard receiving game in the playoffs behind tying Jerry Rice. If he gets one more 100-yard receiving game in the playoffs, he will tie Jerry Rice for most 100-yard receiving games ever in the playoffs. How do we not normalize greatness, specifically when it comes to Patrick Mahomes? So that we we can stay in the moment and realize this is some this might be the greatest start to a career we've ever seen. Um, Sam, we'll flip script and start with you this time.
1: No, I, I think it's challenging because he makes it look. It's so fun. Uh, it, it looks so fun when he does it, and I think it, That's the difference between like you you watch him and Tom Brady and and Aaron Rodgers who both obviously have incredible careers and incredible statistics but when you watch a player or maybe Aaron Rodgers is the best example because I think he probably again I don't watch the Packers a lot but he's probably when I've watched him he's a very fun quarterback to watch because what he can do but like you watch Tom Brady and Tom Brady's had many a games where it's just been holy crap where did those stats come from it's just because he's just efficient like it's just let's just win the game and I think he's transitioning now that he's with the Bucks, so we have seen a little bit different side of him. But with Mahomes, it's it's hard because it, it just looks like he's at, it does look like he's out there on the playground, and it's like I didn't realize he had as big a game as he did watching when I watched the game. Like that's one of those where you watch it and you're just like, holy crap, how did he? Wh- what just happened? So it's it's not it's not a matter of. Uh, the the normalization of of greatness, it's almost a shifting of what the new normal is going to be. Because in reality, we're seeing quarterbacks that if they played 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they are considered some of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. And in today's NFL, they're just average, bog standard, because they're going against Patrick Mahomes. They're going against now Josh Allen. Like Tom Brady is is now seen as – like again every everyone has their own argument but like you argue I will argue Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time that is as of right now no one's going to say that Tom Brady is a better quarterback athletically and gift wise than Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and but so the normalization what is what is the new normal is is now what is making these incredible feats not be celebrated as much because I think it's almost expected at this point so it's it's still really cool um, as Chiefs fans specifically because again going through the periods of having quarterbacks that couldn't throw the ball 10 yards down the field to their own player to now watching what Patrick Mahomes can do it's it's really fun to watch but it's just it's just we're seeing a different level of of player come through and I don't think it's as much that we're normal it's not that we're underselling the achievement it's that the new normal is so much higher that some of these, what he's doing is like, that's impressive. But I mean, it's not out of the realm of what we've seen before. And I think that's the reason it, it doesn't seem as exciting as it probably should be.
0: It's a really good point. Jacob, what about you? Are, are we normalizing greatness to Sam's point because of the level around him? How do we make sure that like we take a minute and go, this is not normal. This is different. He is he is elite amongst elite.
2: Trash talk as much as possible. That way you feel emotionally <laughs> attached to every game, knowing that you're gonna have to eat your words if you are wrong at the end. That's that's the easiest way to make sure no game slips by you. But I don't you know. Dallas, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. It's tough to say because we've talked a lot here about a new generation of Chiefs fans who have jumped on since Patrick Mahomes. I would almost say hop in a time machine and follow the Chiefs for, you know, 20 years of your life or some of our listeners for, you know, I'm not gonna say the amount of years, but for your entire lifetime, longer than us (laughs) actively having about a 20 really into it years of Chiefs football because it does make you appreciate it more. And the other thing you can do is just turn on really bad games. Go watch the Jaguars play the Jets and then watch the Chiefs play, and you'll appreciate it even more.
0: At that point, that last point, I think holds more water with me right now than maybe at any other point, because good Jesus Christ, watching the Texans play football – was brutal. Like, yeah, God, yes. God bless you, Houston fans. You guys, no one will ever be able to tell you you are not dedicated, loyal, wonderful people for sticking by that team because that looked like trash fire that had been crapped on by a homeless person.
2: It was, I awful. did have to turn that off a couple times because I was like, this is just not fun to watch. It did oh. make me appreciative.
0: Yeah, I think having seen that and then getting to see a vintage Patrick Mahomes performance from like five minutes, what is it, five minutes and 45 seconds in the second quarter on and you get to see Mahomes be Mahomes, that that landed with me more than, than it maybe it would have if I hadn't watched a team that was – so I had been struggling just to find talent to put on the field the week, the two weeks before or the week before, excuse me. So for me, I, I think it's a good point. Um, I, again, Sam, to your point about looking around the league and seeing greatness, I think that it's important to do that and look like, well, this is the new normal, but then also go back after you've looked around the league and you've seen that Josh Allen has the fourth highest passer rating in NFL playoffs. Uh, in the nfl playoffs history and then go remember that your guy is number one go remember that your guy in in a league where josh allen had a monster performance against the patriots go look at what patrick mahomes did in 10 minutes and 31 seconds and go oh he can do what josh allen did in a shorter amount of time go make those comps and then remember, like your guy is it's that I love the saying, he's uncommon amongst uncommon men. That is Patrick Mahomes.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's essentially so to wrap up the the, the section here, Sean, it's we're not normalizing feats of greatness. Feats feats of greatness are becoming the norm. <sighs> Our guy's just the best. I'm when we when I post the
0: podcast. That quote's going in. That's awesome. We're not normalizing uh, greatness. Uh, Greatness is just becoming the norm. That's And our guy's the best. God, that's awesome. Let's flip this coin and look at the defensive side of the ball because you talk about a great performance. The Chiefs did not score. As much as we're talking about a tremendous offensive performance where they put up 42 points, they didn't score until 5 minutes and 45 seconds in the second quarter which again makes their performance maybe even more impressive because they didn't score but the defense answered the call every single time and i would say that even in a game where they gave where the 21 points were given up granted seven of those came via defensive score on the fumble with Daryl williams and tj watts scoop and score In a game where you gave up 14 points on defense, I don't even know if it was that close. It was a better defensive performance than I think the score indicates, even if you factor in that seven points were scored by the Steelers' defense. What was different this time versus the first matchup with the Steelers? Because they blew them out the first time, too. But this time seemed even more impressive than the first go-around. Um, Jacob, will flip things, and we'll, we'll come to you first. What was different in this matchup in the playoffs versus when the Chiefs saw the Steelers in the regular season?
2: Not much. They took Najee Harris out of the game because, again, they wanted the truck to go on the highway, and they asked Ben to try to make it happen, and it couldn't. It was pretty sad to watch. And anytime Roethlisberger got blitzed, it was, you know, throw it up the – the sideline to see if your guy can make a play and his guys could not because there's only so much you can do with, you know, a ball that's thrown to the defender. But I I really didn't see it as much different at all other than, you know, no I, I didn't really see it as much different at all other than just a couple more garbage time stats that the Steelers got. Sam, what about you? What, what did you see on the defense that was different
0: this go-around versus the first time around with the Steelers?
1: I think the biggest thing is where in the first game where I said, when did Najee Harris get 93 yards? This one I expected to have 29 yards, which he did. They, they concentrated on saying, all right, you have one weapon that can allow this offense to continue to run And if we shut him down again, we're going to see the truck stall real quick. And that's exactly what happened. Again, we, they, they got some, I I would call the 14 points by that point, pretty garbage. Uh, I think after, after the, we kind of exploded there at the end of the second into the third, uh, the defense did seem to let up just a little bit, but it was a, I just think it was a better performance. I think everyone's at this point, in the season, a lot like what we've seen with other other Spagnola defenses, everyone's on the same page. And it, I thought it was a much better – it's one of the better game plans where it was just like, all right, you've got a terrible offensive line. We're going to stop Najee Harris from running, and Ben's got to do something, which we obviously all knew that that wasn't going to be the case.
0: I do think that's part of the game plan that looked a little bit different to me is that even for Spags, I thought they blitzed a lot both run blitzes and obviously then blitzes to get after uh, Ben Roethlisberger. I went back and watched part of the game today just when I could. And because I'd heard some some of the actual people who are actual analysts talk about how much press coverage the Chiefs played. And they really did. Like Traverius Ward traveled with Claypool and they played press man the entire time with very little safety help over the top. Everybody was basically up on the line of scrimmage. To your point, Sam, about we're going to take Najee Harris out of this game. And if we do that, they don't stand a chance. And at the time that the Chiefs, that you know, the Steelers scored the first time on offense, the second time in the game, the Chiefs are already up thirty-five-seven. Like this game is over. It's essentially the same score as the first time around with the Steelers, which they won thirty-six to ten. And that's in the third quarter for the Chiefs in this one. So I think Spags like just realized that. Ben wants to get this ball out of his hand as quickly as possible because he's done. He doesn't want to be you know, making long reads, doesn't want to try and hold the ball the way he did early on in his career. He wants to get this ball out quickly. So we're going to disrupt receivers at the line of scrimmage. We're going to apply as much pressure as humanly possible, and we're going to take Najee Harris out of the game. And when all that came together, I, I think that's where you saw the end result. To me, that was the only thing is that it just seemed like they – they didn't play with as much safety help deep. A lot of guys basically playing man-to-man coverage across the line and a lot more blitzing up front. So the only, I mean, I'm mean, i sure people could find negatives, but the only thing that I would consider a concern in this game has to do with snap counts. It seems like we've been banging on this drum all year long because it's been a topic all year long. But Willie Gay Jr. in this game, it's one of those things, like you look at me like you're the most athletic linebacker we have. You're perfect for third down. He played 17 snaps on defense, which was 25% of the snaps total for the game. To put that in perspective, that's four more snaps than Armani Watts got. That's the same amount of snaps that DeAndre Baker got, five fewer snaps than Ben Neiman got. Are we concerned with the limited amount of time that Willie Gay Jr. was on the field? I think there's an argument to be made about, you know, it was a blowout. So let's get Bolton, kind of like we talked about with the first time around with the Steelers. Let's get Bolton as many snaps and nickel and dime as possible. Um, you know, who has the green dot in the dime, all that jazz. Like, I think there are some legitimate arguments to be made, but. For me, I just I don't understand why he wouldn't play more snaps, especially since on the times that he was on the field, he made a lot of very important plays. Um, we'll uh, go to you, Sam, to start. How concerned are you with Willie Gay only getting 17 snaps in this game?
1: I really wish I could say I was concerned, but I'm so kind of dead to this topic at this point in the season. Like, it's it's one of those that, I'm again. It's just I'm more confused than anything because I think what we saw when I mean Willie Gage just brings so much different to the table than any other linebacker we have. Even obviously, even the Nick Bolton, that it, it's just confusing why we don't allow him to be, why Spags not allowing him to play at a higher volume. Um, so yeah, it's I <laughs> like. I wish I could say I was hyper-concerned, but at this point, I'm just like, I, I don't even know what's happening because it, it looks so good when he's on the field and then he's not on the field very often. So.
0: Jacob, what about you? How concerned are you that Willie Gay Jr. only played 25% of the defensive snaps?
2: Sam's right. It's, you know, an exhausted topic, but Spags is ready to roll with his guys, whether it's going to cost him his job or not. I still think his job is on the line, depending on this week and, you know, how poorly it goes. I, the initial test, obviously, was the Steelers, and if he would have lost there, I think there would have been a chance he was fired. But I still think there's an outside chance he could get himself in trouble this week if he commits old sins that he was doing of, you know, playing the wrong guys out there. Now, hopefully, and again, I've said this in the past weeks, hopefully that it was a situational thing that... You know, the other linebackers needed to be on the field for the Steelers. And hopefully, that situational thing was just that Ben Roethlisberger is so bad we can save our guys until next week.
0: I, I think I'm kind of like Sam at this point. I just feel numb to it. It's like, okay, well, in this game, you almost get an excuse because it's a blowout. And it's like, well, we wanted to, you could come out and say, we wanted to get Nick Bolton snaps and dime and nickel, just, you know, not going to get as many opportunities. Like this for our younger players and all that jazz, but man, I just I don't understand why he ever comes off the field. He's he's just too talented. He's too athletic. You know, we'll see. I don't know if they fire Spags. I don't think I'm as convinced that that would happen, and I don't know if it should happen. Honestly, I think well, I don't
2: think it's gonna happen at all. I I just think you'll get a stronger sentiment in Chiefs fans and. Sometimes if that ball gets rolling, you can make it happen. But at the same time, look at Bob Sutton, who wanted him fired for two seasons. Right.
0: And I like, and I like Spags. I really do. I think he's a, a very good defensive coordinator. Just the personnel decisions this year have been weird. And if if they get into a, a crunch time with the Bills where they need playmakers on the field and it's Nick Bolton and Willie Gay out there in the nickel, you know, I will, I will fully accept that. Maybe it was just completely about the fact that it was a blowout and they wanted to get Nick Bolton snaps and experience as the Mike in key situations and save Willie Gay Jr. for the playoffs uh, with against the playoff game against the Bills. I think that's viable, but I want to see it. And I want to see him in crunch time in games where it matters on the field. I don't want to see Sorensen or Ben Neiman in those situations. All right, let's look ahead to the divisional round of the playoffs. I, have to, I had to get used to saying that a couple times before we started recording this podcast because it seems like if they've played the Bills, uh, it's been in the conference round of the playoffs, not the divisional round. The Bills, as you said, Sam, to start the show, had a monster game against the Patriots. Put up 47 points, score basically every possession, and, and take out 20 years of just pent-up frustration from Buffalo, New York to Massachusetts and just put it all on them in one game. How do we feel about this Bills team and what, they can, what challenges they can bring to the Chiefs after their performance against the Patriots, who had the number one, score, number one scoring defense in the NFL going into that game? What do we think of this team? Sam, we'll start with you.
1: It's, I mean, again, very good team. We're not going to deny that. Beat us once already. Um, and they are coming on at the right time because, again, they went through a stretch there almost where the Chiefs had the bad stretch at the beginning of the season. The Bills kind of went middle of the season where they were just like, we suck um, and lost to teams that they should never have lost to. But, no, there, it's, it's it'll be there, – there's a lot about this game that – will test a lot of the areas our team is weak against. Specifically when we look at our defense, one of our biggest problems is what Josh Allen is very good at because I think what he had, I think he had 60 some odd yards rushing this last game. I think he was he was our second leading rusher. No, yeah. So that he running quarterbacks, mobile quarterbacks, specifically big athletic quarterbacks are have given Chiefs trouble a lot. And so that's going to be because they can keep the play alive, which is not what our D-backs are very good at. Um, long extended plays is not what we're, we're known for, for doing well. So it's there's there's a lot about this game that that is worrisome, but it's just the fact that the, the Bills are coming on at the right time of the year that is what kind of concerns me the most. Because I think with the Patriots, I, I'm not going to read – Too much into the Patriots game, a lot like I don't think Chiefs fans should look too much, as we'll talk about, too much in the Steelers game and and utilize it to go into the next game. Uh, I'm just going off of what we know about the Bills and knowing that they are running on a full piston. It it could be a – it's going to be a tough game for sure.
0: And, uh, Sam, you are correct. It was six rushes for 66 yards. He was their second-leading rusher behind Devin Singletary in that matchup against the Patriots, which couldn't get the final score out. 47-17, to the Bills put it on the Patriots. Um, Jacob, what about you? How do we feel about this Bills squad, having seen what they did to New England?
2: I'm with Sam. I'm not going to read too much into the the Patriots game, other than Josh Allen played probably the best game I've ever seen him play in his career, which is kind of concerning, but... I think the Patriots got exposed for who they were. You know, very limited on offense.
0: Okay, what are you picking up? Hot dogs. Oh, have
2: The deep freezer. Live that it.
0: explains it. Okay. I was like, there's this loud crinkling sound while you're talking. I was like, what in the hell is that sound? I was like, it was some, I was looking to make sure my mic was muted. Okay, cool.
2: It's all about the hot dogs. <laughs> Locally, the grocery store, the main grocery store, the workers are striking. So we're... Exploring our freezer options. Anyway, uh, much much like much like hot dogs, that was the Patriots. It looked good for a little bit, and then after you ate it, you realized probably shouldn't have. But
0: uh, I was for sure gonna cut this part, um, but I'm definitely leaving it in now
2: because that was yeah, awesome. yeah, you, you've got it. Smooth transitions. It's key to being a teacher. you can transition anything into watching a movie
0: oh my god i was i was so gonna cut this i wasn't i was just like curious what the sound was for editing purposes and now i'm just like oh okay well i'm leaving that in that was a beautiful transition
2: um yeah i think i think it is going to be interesting The josh allen played i think the best game of his career against the patriots his accuracy is what scared me in that one of he was hitting the balls. I see him miss often. On the flip side of it, I do think the Chiefs, when they're not playing Dan Sorensen as a deep safety, have pretty good game plans for Josh Allen. And their game plans are very similar to Lamar Jackson. A pack the middle of the field, don't get too far upfield on Josh Allen to try to make a sack, just kind of stay home. And I think that's, I hope, what we see again because we know we had the matchup earlier on this year that didn't go so great.
0: Here's why I agree with you guys on why you shouldn't as a chiefs fan. If you're listening, uh, read too much into these games. Uh, Saran Petro from 810 tweeted out this stat. uh, When, when trying to comfort chiefs fans and then it ended up kind of being a running joke with people on Twitter, which was kind of funny. Uh, He tweeted out since the NFL went to 12 playoff teams in 1990, teams that have scored 40 plus in the wildcard round and won." are just three and 12 in the next round those teams that uh that won uh 2009 Packers. well he had a couple of examples here not all of them but 2009 packers lost 51 45 to the cardinals and the 2013 chiefs lost 45 to 44 to the colts which is a game i believe jay we were at correct great memories another reason to maybe not read so much into this uh Tucker Franklin from KCSN, this has been going around for a few places, but I just want to make sure I'm giving him credit for reading off his tweets. Uh, he wanted to remind Chiefs fans the last time Chiefs played the Bills, they didn't have Melvin Ingram. Uh, Nick Bolton wasn't playing Mike. Willie Gay Jr. didn't play. Chris Jones was at defensive end, and Tarverius Ward did not play. Chiefs also had four turnovers against the Bills in that game. They lost 38-20. A lot of things are different now for the Chiefs with the Bills. Now, granted, the Bills, to Sam's point, are hitting their stride. This is something That's, to that
2: game also had a terrible lightning
0: delay. Yes. Oh God. I was I was hanging out with our dear friend Dustin and uh, watching that game, and at one point, my wife Lauren texted me, going, "Are you coming home anytime?" And I'm like, "Yeah, once this game's over." We're in a lightning delay. Oh, it's just rough. But there's a lot different now. The one thing that you should take away from this, that you should take going into this game, I should say, both teams are hitting their stride at the right time. It's going to be a barn burner. More more likely than not, this is going to be a tough game where the Chiefs are going to have to play really good football, if not their best football, to be a very good Bills team who has a young quarterback who is really, to Sam's point about, uh, greatness is being normalized has started to really make consistent great plays here down the stretch in the playoffs right when it matters most because everything is so different from the last matchup to now which from the bills and the chiefs instead of looking at that and going okay well what can you take from that game i wanted to ask the question what can you take from the steelers performance and apply to the matchup with the bills is there anything that is transferable Scheme-wise, motivation-wise, whatever whatever you want to use, what can the Chiefs take from their win over the Steelers and bring with them and actually be applicable to their matchup with the Bills? Um, Sam, we'll start with you.
1: Looking, The defense needs to look at this game in the exact opposite way that they took this last one because Josh Allen is basically the exact opposite of Big Ben at this point um, where – he is not a corpse standing behind a really bad offensive line. (laughs) Uh, But no, I I think the, the, it's more the uh, momentum coming out of that game. And again, that's hard because obviously bills are coming in with momentum as well, but it's just the, the continuation of, of playing the kind of ball that the chiefs play well, because What we see with Spag's defense a lot of times, because, again, there were times that that the Steelers did give up chunk yardage, uh, or we did give up chunk yardage to the Steelers, some bigger, I think, again, garbage times, you might argue. But we didn't allow them to score. And that's I think that's going to be the biggest key going into this game is not allowing the Bills to score touchdowns. If we have to give up points, give up field goals. Because if the offense is running as efficiently as, as what we saw in this game, um, which, again, Steelers' defense isn't great, but it's not nearly as bad as their offense. So I think you can take more off of it, off of what we saw in the offensive performance than defensive. But if the offense is running as smoothly as it is uh, as it was in this, going into a shootout, I'm always a little more comfortable, which sounds weird with, Pat, like, I'm more comfortable in a shootout sometimes than I am just in a low scoring game because it's almost like the chiefs, what we've seen in some of the games where it's lower scoring is it's almost like the the play calling gets lax and it's not that exciting brand of football that we saw in this last game. So I think the the biggest thing is just the continuation of the play calling, like it was in the offense and just the momentum of the defense to ensure that, you know, still playing at the same level that we played against a, a much poorer team, I guess.
0: Jacob, what about you? What, what, if anything, can the Chiefs take from this matchup with the Steelers and, and apply to their matchup with the Bills this coming weekend?
2: Josh Allen is also a large quarterback. <laughs> That's all I've got.
0: For me, the one thing that I would take is don't panic. You know, from, As a Chiefs fan, I definitely had a moment of PTSD where – you know you're well into the second quarter and your team hasn't scored, and I'm just thinking, oh my god, are the Steelers actually going to pull the upset? Is Florio actually going to be right? Might have to deal with this crap
2: all week. Sean, I think Sean it, you weren't you weren't alone in that. I all that thought of creeping in the back of my mind. of Are you kidding me? I thought we were over this.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I think that's that's important for the team because of how well they handled it. They never panicked. They never. This is like one of the few times where it's like I, this year where it was just like, they never worried about it. They're like, we're still the chiefs. We're going to win. And they did. They found a way not to pull even. They found a way to pull ahead and they found a way to pile it on all before the first half was over. I think if there's anything that comes out of that, it's like, even if the bills like the worst case scenario, the bills go up like 14, nothing in the first quarter. Don't panic. Just stay the course. Know that you can write the ship. Your quarterback is Patrick Mahomes. You have the greatest tight end to ever play. You have one of the greatest receivers the NFL has ever seen. You've got Andy Reid as a head coach. You've got, some, you've got the greatest defensive tackle in, in Chiefs history for sure, and at least the second best in the NFL. And playmakers all over the place. Like, Don't, don't do what I did as a fan and go, oh, my God, is this really happening? If they keep the mindset that they had when things weren't going well against the Steelers and they take that into a game against the Bills, even if things start to go south for a bit, I think they can still turn the ship and pull things out. Let's wrap this sucker up and get our final score predictions in this one. Just to recap, uh, none of us gave the Chiefs nearly enough credit uh, against the Steelers. Sam, you were the closest at 36 to 10, uh, closest in terms of the Chiefs score. I was 31 to 17, and Jacob, you were 30 to 17. So, all of us picked a big Chiefs win. None of us gave them nearly enough credit. How do we see this one going? Um, Sam, we'll start with you this time. What's your final score prediction, Chiefs versus Bills?
1: What was the first game score? Remind me 38
0: to 20. 38 to 20, Chiefs. Oh, my. Oh, man. If that happens, I'll, I'll lose it. Uh, I'll go next here. I I think it's going to be close than that. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think, especially with the way the Bills were able to run the ball, not just with, you know, Josh Allen scrambling, but Devin Singletary, it does have me a little concerned. Uh, if Rashad Fenton is back, that'll make me feel a little bit better. I'm going to say it'll be 35-31 Chiefs. I think they do pull it out, but I think it's a high-scoring affair. Both teams in the 30s. I could easily see this thing becoming a St. Louis Rams Chiefs kind of score. Uh, Jacob, take us home. What's your final score prediction?
2: Uh, that was my 35-31, but <laughs> I'll switch it and I'll go. With, I'll go with 35-28.
0: All right, everybody, that will do it for us tonight. We really appreciate you spending your time, whether you're catching us in the morning, the afternoon, evening, whenever you are taking the time to. Enjoy a little Chiefs talk with us. Hopefully, we will get to talk about another Chiefs win on the March Tour, a revenge tour, and hopefully another Super Bowl appearance and win. Got to take care of business and a big game at home against the Bills. So until next time, y'all stay safe out there, and we will talk to you next week.